of people that aren't comfortable with awkward silence. I don't care. It's not yours. Once upon a time, a psychology professor walked around on a stage while teaching stress management principles to an auditorium filled with students. As she raised a glass of water, everyone expected they'd be asked a typical glass half empty or glass half full question. Instead, with a smile on her face, the professor asked, how heavy is this glass of water that I'm holding? The students shouted out answers ranging from eight ounces to a couple of pounds and anything in between. And she replied, from my perspective, the absolute weight of the glass doesn't matter. All, it all depends on how long I hold it. If I hold it for a minute uh, or two, it's fairly light. If I hold it for an hour straight, its weight might make my arm ache a little. If I hold it for a day straight, my arm will likely cramp up and feel completely numb and paralyzed, forcing me to drop the glass to the floor. In each case, the weight of the glass doesn't change, or the longer I hold it, the heavier it feels to me. And as the class shook their heads in agreement, she continued, your stresses and worries in life are very much like this glass of water. We think about them for a while and nothing happens. Think about them a bit longer and you begin to ache a little. Think about them all day long and you will feel completely numb and paralyzed, incapable of doing anything else until you drop them. And there are things that we insist on carrying that weigh us down. There are things that we don't need to carry, but we do. And there are things we hold on to that we need to let go of, but we think we have to hold on to them. And over time, they get heavier and heavier and heavier. Or there are battles that we will insist on fighting. Battles that we don't need to fight, but we do because we think we must. We must do it on our own. And we, over time, it wears us down, much like the glass of water. And we will come up against something and try to push our way through it. And we'll try to fight our way through it and try to do it on our own and carry that glass or fight the battle. And it gets harder and harder and harder. And what we need to realize is that sometimes that thing that we're holding on to or that battle that we're trying to fight is not ours. It's not ours to hold. It's not our battle to fight. Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah, which was the southern kingdom the nation of Israel had gone through a split and had become divided between... Israel was in the north and the nation of Judah was in the south. And Jehoshaphat was the king and he had just come back from war. And they'd won a great victory and he was feeling good and fine and probably pretty excited. And I don't know if you've ever had a good day. Usually I get up here and talk about how bad things are, but I've never had a good day. We'll get there. Everything's going well. I remember those. Once upon a time. Everything's coming up in your favor. <laughs> yeah, that's where Jehoshaphat was. In 2 Chronicles 20, if you have your Bibles, you can follow along if you want to make sure that I didn't just make stuff up and put it up here. It says, It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them others beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat, 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 I don't know, to battle, Joe, Jeho. And then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, <laughs> saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea, on this side, Syria, behold, they be in a place which is somewhere else. <laughs> and Jehoshaphat, he was feeling good. 
I didn't even bother with those ones. And they get some bad news. That's the way it goes, right? Everything's going well. Then you get the bad news. It's the way she goes, bud. You're on a high. Boom. Life just smacks you. It's always that way. You get ambushed with the bad news. You never see it coming. Even if you're a pessimist, not like me. It's always something else. Everything's going well, and then someone just says something. Oh, those people, they would just stop saying things. They just throw your day off, or something happens, and Jehoshaphat, he comes back from battle, and he's all, oh, this is great, this is good, we got victory, and everything's going well for the kingdom, and then he gets news, and he hears that his enemies, they've got together, and they're planning on attacking him now, and it's bad enough when one enemy attacks, but when they all gang up on you, that's not much better. <laughs> that's pretty bad. It's great news to get, and so... Verse 3, it says that Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast through all Judah. And so it says that he was afraid. The natural reaction when we get bad news is to be afraid. And some preachers will get up here and tell you to don't be afraid of things, but that happens. We get afraid, we hear bad news, and we, we're worried. We don't know what's going to happen. It's our natural reaction. You go to the doctor and you get some bad news, and we, we get afraid. We don't know what's going to happen. Sometimes, you know, we get bad news from our family or our job or whatever. The natural reaction we have is, is fear because it's something that is unknown. What's going to happen? Am I going to live or is this going to destroy my, my family? What, are, what, what do I do? What, where do I turn? And it, it becomes overwhelming when you get all this bad news at once. And I don't know if you've ever felt like that or that's ever happened, but our reaction normally is fear. And if you're not being honest, then, then it isn't. But that's a normal thing to experience. Because we're afraid of the unknown. We're afraid of what we can't control. And the future can be intimidating. And this is the same with Jehoshaphat. You know, he's just had a great victory. And he hears that everyone's ganging up on him, and he's afraid. It's natural to fear when... It's going to blow your minds, but when you find out that your enemies are getting together to kill you, it's okay to be afraid then, I think. I think we can allow, <laughs> I think it's natural to be afraid when you find out <laughs> that everyone wants to kill you. It's natural to be afraid when you're in an unknown spot. You know, I've been in some places, I'm still here, so everything's worked out. Or I was just terrified. I don't know what was going to happen. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. <laughs> I told you about the first time we went to, well, the only time we were in Benin, went to uh, the big market. Never seen anything like that in my life. I didn't think I was going to make it. We just following some guy we never met before. In the middle, it was dark. and <sighs> Just trusting this guy I've never met. He could have abandoned us, and I would have never found my way home. I would have lived in that market for the rest of my life. <laughs> Everything was so strange and different than what I was used to, and we were a little, a little worried, a little <laughs> confused. And when you try to do things for God, there's often a fear that comes with it. Does God ask us to do things maybe that we're not quite, you know, we, we think we can do? And we become a little bit afraid. When you step out in faith, fear will often try to take 
over. And when the enemy attacks, fear often accompanies that attack because we don't always know what's going to happen. Or, to be honest, we never know what's going to happen. And this is where Jehoshaphat was. He becomes afraid. And that's our natural reaction. But what Jehoshaphat does when fear comes is what changes the rest of the story. It says, And he feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. What is our first reaction when we get the bad news? Fear happens. It comes. We get afraid. But our reaction after that is what tells or sets the rest of the story up. Do we just call someone? Do we tell someone? Call our mom or dad? Call a friend? Put it on Facebook? Start calling everyone we know, pulling everyone for advice. What do I do here? What do I do in this situation? Do we go to the pastor? Do we not say anything and let it fester and eat you alive until you have a breakdown? What do we do? Jehoshaphat feared it was a normal thing to do, but then he turned to God. He sought the Lord. He went beyond his natural thing and he went to the, the supernatural. When the news was bad and fear overcame him, Jehoshaphat's reaction was to go to God. When the enemy tried to attack and destroy him and his nation, he went to prayer. And what's happening here is Jehoshaphat, he's used his fear, he's used his worry and the problem to drive him into the presence of God. And when life happens, when bad news comes and we get those reports and our family is in a crisis or causing drama or whatever, the enemy is attacking what we need to do. Instead of going to everyone else, we need to go to God, not to our neighbor, not to our friend, not to our parent or Facebook or the internet or Dr. Phil or whoever. Go to God and use that bad situation or use that bad news to threat the issue. Whatever it is, the bad report, the, the nonsense that the enemy is trying to pile up on us, use it to drive us into the presence of God. Because troubles are going to come and trials are going to come and temptations are going to come and bad reports are going to come. Death, loss, heartache, and pain are coming. There's, the, there's your hopeful stuff there. It's all going to come. It's part of life. And when they do, we need to make a decision. Am I going to allow this to drive me away from God? Am I going to allow it to drive me into his presence because there's going to be a reaction one way or another. There's going to be fear that comes and then we're going to go one way or we're going to go the other. We're going to withdraw from God or we're going to go to him. Something is going to happen and how we react when these things come changes everything. So don't let life or fear or the enemy drive you away from the presence of God. Nothing should be able to come between you and your God. And too many times we allow things to come between us and God and separate us from him and stuff happens and we get hurt or we get attacked or fear sweeps in and we get a bad report or news and we just kind of throw in the towel a bit and you know, God, I don't want to deal with this and we run from him and we separate ourselves from him. We withdraw him. Don't do that. We need to take whatever it is to God. Don't let anything come between you and God. Romans 8 and um, that's the wrong one. Romans 8 and 39 says, Nor height, nor depth, nor any creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Bible tells us that nothing can separate you from his love. And the only thing that's going to do that is if we turn our back on him. He's going to keep loving us, but we're going to 
separate ourselves. It's not his will. He loves you unconditionally. Don't let a bad report or a problem or fear or life or the enemy come between you and God and separate you from him. You need to take that thing to him. Verse 4, it says, And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And verse 5 says, And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. So the bad news came. And Jehoshaphat went to God. And he got everyone together. And then they prayed. And they fasted. All of them. They all became united. And if we want God to move, there needs to be a uniting. There needs to be unity. If we want to see healings, we want to see deliverances, we want to see miracles, signs and wonders, the Holy Ghost outpour, we want to see revival that we you know, go on and on about, there needs to be a unity in the church. This attack wasn't just against Jehoshaphat. It was against the entire nation because if you were to attack him, it affected everyone else. And we are all in this together and we are a team and we are a body. And if someone attacks you, then they attack me. If someone attacks you, they attack all of us. This is going to blow your minds. Are you ready? If I walk up to you and I kick you in the leg, I'm just attacking your leg. Does that affect the rest of you? Yes. It does. You go and smack someone on the head. It shouldn't hurt. I just hit your head. That's stupid. Nobody thinks like that. When you attack one part of the body, you attack the entire body. When the enemy comes against one of us, he's coming against all of us. <laughs> But when we're not unified and we're not united, we don't see it that way. Well, that's their problem. That's their bad news. We'll let them deal with it. If you did that with your own body, you'd be in a mess. <laughs> oh, I got a headache. I'm just going to let my, let my head deal with that. No, you got to get some Tylenol or something. The hands are going to have to put it in the mouth. The mouth's going to have to... They're going to work together to get through it. That wasn't even in the notes. That's inspiration. That's their problem. That's their bad news. No, it's ours. We're in this together. And Israel or Judah wanted God to move on their behalf. And so the whole nation united in prayer. If we want things to start happening, the whole church needs to be united in prayer. I lost you there. That means praying in the altar. That means praying for each other. That means bringing our needs together to God. And I know everyone hates it when I say, why don't we pray with someone near us? And you look at me like I just canceled Christmas or something. <laughs> I don't do it to make you feel uncomfortable or see a score. Maybe a little bit, but you do it bring us together yes. to unite us if you've ever had a need and someone's come along and just pray with you there's something that happens yes. there's a burden that's lifted 
I'm like, I'm not in this by myself anymore. Somebody, somebody cares. Somebody's with me. It makes a big difference. And the main reason we do that is so that we know that we're not alone. We are united. We need to be united to see God move. It's in the church name for crying out loud. United Pentecostal Church. I'd like to leave the first part off and take the second one, but you need both. <laughs> when we are united, God moves. In Acts, the day of Pentecost, we were one accord in one place, and the Holy Ghost fell. And so Jehoshaphat, he gets everyone praying. And the bad news, it doesn't just affect him. He wasn't alone. It affected everyone. And if we want you know, an answer, we want revival, we want God to move, we need to pray together. Life is going to be changed when we pray together, when we get on the same page. And so they pray. It says in verse 6, he said, O Lord God of our fathers, art thou not, art not thou God in heaven, and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gavest to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever, and dwelt therein, and have built thee a sanctuary then for thy name, saying, if when evil cometh upon us as a sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. Now, we don't pray like that very much, but he prays, and he says, aren't you God? Aren't you in charge of everything? Aren't you in control of everything? Aren't you so strong that no one can stand against you, that no one can fight against you? Didn't you lead us here? Didn't you give us this land? Didn't you promise this to us? Haven't you given us victory before? Haven't you promised friendship forever? We've built this temple. we built this sanctuary. And you said that no matter what happened, you would protect and you would help and you would hear and you would provide for us. God, don't you remember all of these things? And he starts to pray and he tells of all the things that God is and all the things that he's done and what he's promised and he starts exalting God and he starts lifting him up and he starts you could even say worshiping him he's afraid and he's worried his life is in danger and he doesn't know where to turn and so what does he do he turns to God in prayer and he unifies the the nation and he reminds himself of who God is and reminds them of who God is and what he's done and he worships him with everyone else and when life happens and there's bad news or a bad report or we're afraid of what's going to come in the future, we don't know where to turn or what to do and we're confused or whatever, we need to turn to God in prayer, get unified with someone around us, pray together, get connected to the church, don't stay home and cut yourself off and then blame everyone else. You need to be in church. It's dangerous to go alone. Remember Remind yourself of what God has done. Remind yourself of the promises in his word. Remind yourself of who he is and worship him. And Jehoshaphat was surrounded by fear but decided to focus on God instead of the problem. Psalm 34 and 3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Magnify, what does it mean to make something bigger? It's impossible to make God bigger. But a magnifying glass doesn't really make something bigger. It just focuses on it. And it turns our attention to it. It makes it appear bigger in our eyes. So we can't see anything else. And so magnifying God means to, to focus on Him and nothing else. To worship Him, to praise and pray to Him. And when we do, you'll find that 
the problems fade away. If you've ever used a magnifying glass, and you're looking in a magnifying glass, you're not seeing much else. Maybe to your detriment if you're walking. When we start to magnify God, we turn all of our attention, all our focus on God, all the other stuff just kind of becomes background noise. It just kind of fades away and just kind of goes away. And worship is the key to that. We turn our attention not on our problem, or our, we turn it to the, the solution. And Jesus is bigger than any problem we could face. First John 4 and 4 says, You're of God, little children, have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And that's an old song. If you remember that? I told you before, I was afraid of everything when I was a kid, and I used to sing that song until the fears went away. I was always going to get murdered. I went to the bathroom and I, you know how it is. Maybe you don't, maybe you're not like me. Every noise. I'd always <laughs> sing that song over, quote that verse over and over. And it always, it always helps. So remember that next time you're afraid of the dark. But he is bigger and greater than anything that we could face or anything we come up against. Sometimes I think we can forget that and we can focus on the issue. You know, when we get that report or we get that news, it becomes the focus, the focal point. But when we focus on him is when things begin to change. So the house of God gets everyone together and that's just what they do. They remind themselves of who God is. They remind themselves of the promises he's made, what he's done, and they turn their attention on him instead of the enemy that's coming and gathering to fight them. In verse 10 it says, And now behold the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldst not let Israel invade when they came up out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. And behold, I say how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And so now he presents the need to God. But not until he reminds himself of who God is and what God has done. He doesn't bring the need until he um, spends some time in worship, until he gets himself into the presence of God, not until he's drawn closer to God, and that's when he presents the need. And sometimes we get it backwards, and we focus on the need, and we focus on the issue or the threat or the situation, and then we try to pray, and it's all we can think about is the issue. And our prayers are distracted. They're all over the place. We try to conjure up enough faith to pray for whatever the need is, when instead we need to take some time. We need to spend some time in worship and in praise and the presence of God before we bring the need. Remember, you know, sometimes we don't have time. But when we do, remember what God has done. Talk about what He can do. And it boosts our faith and it strengthens our trust in God. And then when we bring that need to him, we're not presenting it from the same place of a place of fear. Instead, now we're presenting it from a place of faith. And that's where God works. We believe he can work in this situation that we have because he's done something similar in the past. We believe that he can heal because I know he's healed in the past. 
We've just gone over a story where he did something very similar. So Jehoshaphat, he's had the fear before, but now by the time he gets here, his faith has been built up. He's got faith now. And when faith has when our faith has taken a hit and fear has kind of taken over, we need to remind ourselves of who God is and what he's done. You need to worship and get into his presence. And nothing boosts faith like remembering what God has done for you. He's did it before, he can do it again. Worship is the key and praise is the key and our testimony boosts our faith and encourages us. In verse 13 it says, And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. This part is really cool to me. All the people were there. All of them were in the presence of God. All of them were praying. The wives of the men, the soldiers, the king, everybody, they came and their children, and their little ones. It wasn't just the husbands, it wasn't just the men or the leaders. He didn't just call the, you know, his, his council together. It wasn't just the prophets or the, the, the royalty. It wasn't just the women. It wasn't just the mothers. It was everyone, men, women, and children. And if we're going to have God speak in our lives, if we're going to experience a church-wide move of God, we all need to be here, and we all need to be involved. Everyone, the enemy was attacking Judah, and it didn't just affect the men or the leaders or the king, it affected all of Judah, the men, the women, the children, the little ones. When the enemy attacks the church or he fights against the church, and you are the church, when he does that, you, you are the church. It does not just affect you, it affects your family, it affects the kids, it affects the little ones. When we have bad days and we get bad news and we just throw in the towel and we leave the church and get mad at the pastor or someone else or we stop coming for a while, it doesn't just affect you. It affects others. It affects the little ones. We were youth pastors once upon a time. And we pastored in a church where, in the past, um, people... We youth pastor in the church where people would get mad at the pastor and go to another church. I know that wouldn't happen here. But people, people would do that. There was two churches and depending on who was the pastor, <laughs> one church was bigger than the other. They, they've settled down now. but Once upon a time, people used to do that. And I found with the, the, team, the kids, the parents that hadn't done that, they were the easiest to work with. But the ones that their parents, you know, I don't like this guy, I want someone else in here, I'm gonna go here, and I don't like this guy because I'll go back to the other one because they upset me. The ones that were going back and forth, their kids, it was, it was a lot harder to work with. They didn't respect leadership as well because it doesn't matter. I'll just go somewhere else. And when they're, they're making this decision, and to them it was just, you know, I just, it's for me, but it affected not just them, it affected their children and their children. And it just, it goes on. And even if it had been a while, maybe it had been like years, but they, they, that thing was seeded or rooted in them. And it taught them that you can just leave whenever you don't like it. 
And believe it or not, how we react to what happens in our lives shows the next generation how to be. If you get upset and you leave, you're just showing these kids that are coming. Well, you know what? Depends on my mood if I'm going to be there. You're, you're making a, a statement. I got real, real sad there, but... What we do does not just affect us, it affects the children, it affects the, gen, the next generation. I've got friends who got angry with the church and they left and they got upset and they left and things didn't go their way and they caused all kinds of issues. But it's not just them that miss out, their children miss out. I've got a friend, he's a kid the same age as one of ours. They've never even been to church because he got mad at the pastor. And they're missing out. And they grow up never knowing how to pray. They never know how to get a hold of Jesus. He might come back to God later. No, no, but his kids have nothing. They've got nothing to fall back on. They've got no foundation. They get... It affects everyone. Not just you, but them downstairs as well. And all of Judah gathered together to pray. And they included their kids. And they included the little ones. We need to teach our children how to pray. We need to teach our families how to pray. All of us together, we need to be able to create that atmosphere as a church where we pray and we worship together. Families and kids and little ones and new ones who you know, they know how to do it because they're watching us. If you want this church to live into the future, I hope we do. We need to show these kids that have been coming. We've got nine plus that have been coming. Their parents aren't here. They're looking to us to show them how to worship. They're looking to us to show them how to pray. If we want them to get a hold of God, we're going to have to show them. We need to involve them. I've told you before, I'm only here because my mom, and she was picked up on a bus. Her parents didn't go to church. That church taught her how to pray. Taught her how to live for God. And that's why I'm here. Somebody involved the kids. I don't know how to get back to where I was. But if we want them to live for God, we need to, we need to involve them, we need to show them. You know, some of them were up here before church. They should be on the platform. Whatever, I was just chatting with them, it's fine. If they're comfortable around me, that's good. I'm okay with that. We need to show them and lead them. They learn by watching. Remember a couple weeks ago, I was jumping around as a joke. And they started doing it too, and that's good. They're watching, they're observing. We need to teach them how to pray. Our kids and every other kid that comes in here, every new person that comes in, we need to teach them how to pray. We can't expect them to grow up and all of a sudden be worshipers when they've never seen anyone else do it. We can't expect them to be, know how to intercede or be prayer warriors when they haven't seen anyone else do it or how to pray for someone on the altar when they haven't seen anyone else do it or how to get the Holy Ghost when they've never even seen someone receive the Holy Ghost. We need to create an atmosphere and involve everyone. We can preach and yell and scream and sing all we want, but it takes all of us together. They need to see you leading. They need to see you praying. They need to see you laying hands on people and worshiping and going to the altar. How are they going to know? I grew up in the altar at church because I came from a praying church and a worshiping church, and that's just what everyone did. Everyone went to the altar. They didn't have to beg anyone. We just went. I didn't know you could stay in your seat. I tried a few times. My mother wouldn't let me. 
But how are they going to know if they don't see us doing it? We need to have that atmosphere as a church and involve everyone. I know they can be annoying. I have four of them. I know that. I know they can be too loud. Pray louder. <laughs> Sing louder. Clap louder. I don't know. But we need to have that atmosphere. And this is what Judah did. They involved everyone. Everyone got together. They involved the children. They said, look, there's something that's happening. There's something that's happened to our, our, our nation. It's going to affect all of us. And you guys need to know what to do when this happens, when you're grown up. And so Judah and Jehoshaphat, they show their kids how to pray, what to do when they're afraid, when the enemy attacks, and they get bad news and they involve them. The best way to learn anything is hands-on, right? <laughs> This is how we're going to do it. We're going to do this. We're going to pray together. We're going to seek God together. We're going to watch God work. In verse 14 it says, Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of... Oh, why do they do this? Jael, the son of Mataniah, the Levite, the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And so this guy, Jehaziel, he was the son of Zechariah, the son of this brother, the son of... Jesus. He was raised in this, and tracing his father's back. He gets up, and he, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him, and he prophesies. And it says, he said, Hearken ye all Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and now King Jehoshaphat. This is a guy that was raised in this. They had taught him how to pray. They taught him how to worship. They taught him how to get in the presence of God. And they do it, and he gets up, and he prophesies. And he says, Hearken ye all Judah and all inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid, nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. He gets up and he prophesies. And this is the main point, and it took me forever to get here. But it's not yours. Problems come and life comes and life happens and bad news comes. The enemy attacks and bad reports come and all kinds of stuff happens. And our reaction is often to try to fix it and try to get it all figured out and, you know, or to worry about it or to stress or to hold on to it or try to do it alone. That's the music. We're going to sing here in a minute. We'll get there. Our reaction is try to do all this. I know. I know that's what we try to do. This is mine. I'm going to, I'm going to hold it. I'm going to, I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to do it. I've told you before again. When my father died. I struggled for years. I tried to carry that burden by myself and that hurt and the pain and regret, all that stuff by myself. And it took me years to give it to God. Surrender it to him. Jehoshaphat, he had bad news. The enemy was coming, the battle was coming, and he wasn't, you know, they weren't ready for it. He said, we don't have, we don't have the, the army to fight this. We can't do this. The enemy is ganged up and they join forces. And there are times when, in our lives where we will be completely overwhelmed. And one thing leads to another. You know, nothing bad just happens by itself. Right? If we just have one bad thing happen a month, yeah, we'll deal with it. But it's all at once. Oh, a bunch of little things all at once or a bunch of big things at once. I don't know. Everything happens at once. That's the way it goes. And things pile up and a reaction can be to run or to throw in a towel or just try to do it on our own. We're just going to slug through it. I don't need anyone. I'm just going to do this. And we hold everything inside or we cut uh, ourselves off from people. We stay home and we avoid church or 
whatever, but instead we need to take it to God in prayer and remind ourselves where he brought us from, who he is and what he's done. We need to worship when these things come and praise and focus on Jesus instead of the problem. We need to stay connected. We need to pray together and we need to do it and teach our children how to do it. Teach the next generation how to do it because he said the battle is not yours. This is God's battle. You don't need to be trying to fight this. This is God's battle. And so what we need to do is just give it to him. Let him fight it. And he doesn't lose. You worship, you pray, you praise, you stay faithful, you stay connected to the body, you keep coming, you keep giving, you keep working, and let him fight the battle. Let him take care of the enemy. Don't look at the size of the problem or the enemy. Look at God and magnify him and focus on him and give him the battle and let him fight it because it is not yours. Your job is to to carry the battle or to carry the burden or to carry the worry or the fear. Your job is to worship and let the king of kings take care of it and pray and be faithful. And this is what happens. That tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jerob. Ye shall not need fight Sorry, you shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face on the ground, and all Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. He said, you need to stand still. You need to calm down. Ever tell someone to do that? It never works. You need to calm down. You need to stop fighting and stop struggling and stop panicking and stop being afraid. Don't worry about it. Let God take care of it. I know it's easier to say than do. we got to do something, so let's worship instead. He's got to something. We got to deal with it somehow. So let's worship and said, "It's not yours." He said, "The battle is not yours. It is not your battle." So fall down and worship the King and let Him take the battle. Let Him take care of it. Step aside, stand still, pray with your family, and let God move. Let your kids see how God works. Let your kids see how God moves. Let Him have that battle. Stop trying to fight it on your own. It's not yours. Verse 21, and when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army. They just praised him. Oh, God was holy. It wasn't anything incredible, anything deep or whatever. They just praised the beauty of God's holiness as they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. The enemy's trying to destroy these people. And they go out and praise and they say, your mercy endureth forever. They're out trying to kill us. They're ganging up on us. They're going to destroy us. But your mercy endureth forever. They put praise singers and worshipers out in the front of the army. And they praised the Lord and they went with worship. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah. And they were smitten. And as they sang and praised and worshipped and focused on God and His holiness and his, his mercy and they praised Him, they did that and God started working. 
For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy one another. So what happens? The enemy, they just get confused and they start killing each other. They start fighting each other. When Judah worships, worship confuses the enemy. He doesn't know what to do. He's coming at us with things that try to get us afraid and try to get us distracted and try to get us thrown off. When we start worshiping God, that just throws his whole plan off. This is how it's supposed to, I'm supposed to be the focus here. I'm the threat here. I'm doing this. I'm destroying you. I'm taking you out. I'm destroying you and your whole family. Why are you why are you looking at him? Why are you talking about him? Look at me. I'm the one that's doing this. I'm the threat. He gets all worked up and he gets all confused and he doesn't, he can't handle it. I'm the big deal here. What are you doing? Stop looking at God. Stop praising him. What do you think you're doing? He doesn't know what to do when the focus is on God instead of him. And they start destroying each other. Verse 24, the last verse. It says, And Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness. They looked unto the multitude, and behold, there were dead bodies fallen on the earth, and none escaped. Can you imagine going to battle? Well, we can't fight these guys. They're too big. There's too many of them. Let's sing instead. <laughs> Let's go in the blaze of glory. I don't know. Let's sing and praise God instead. And they show up and everyone's dead. I don't know who the last one was there. <laughs> oh no, I'm the only one left. But they all were destroyed. And they were, had this incredible victory. Three nations got together to try to destroy them. And they all, all of them were destroyed. And it was through worship. They're taking their focus off of the, the problem and putting it on God. It's not your battle. We've got people that are fighting all kinds of things in our homes, fighting all kinds of things in our family and issues, and everything's piling up. We come to church, and that's what we're focused on, and we pray, and that's all we can think about. It's just consuming us, but the Bible says the battle is not yours we've been trying to carry the burden we're trying to fight the battle on our own this morning we're just going to stop stop fighting it's not your battle instead we're going to sing here in a minute we're just going to praise him that's how we're going to end this I preached way too long again i got to slow down I don't know what I'm doing with my life it used to be short Used to be young and now I'm old. We're going to take some time this morning. We're going to sing. We're going to praise. Whatever the situation is that you're facing, whatever's going on in your family, going on in your body, going on in your home, we're going to take our attention off of that. We're going to put our attention on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we're going to focus on the holiness of God. We're going to focus on the mercy of God. No matter what happens, all those things never change. God never changes. The enemy can come with all kinds of other enemies. They can all gang up, but God's still God. And we keep our attention, our focus on him. Let him take care of it. It's not your battle. It's not your burden to carry. 
You need to step aside, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. So we could stand. We're going to sing together something. Let's take some time this morning. Let's just praise Him. No, it was all over the place. It was an emotional roller coaster. Let's just praise Him together. Let's praise Him. Let's thank Him. God, Your mercy never fails. Your mercy endures forever. God, You are holy. You are worthy. I know there's things going on in our lives, Jesus. We're turning our attention and our focus to You, God. I remember what You've done in the past. I remember the, the testimony, God, the times that You've healed, God, the times that You've delivered, the times You've come through, the times You've restored. I remember those things. I remember Your promises, God, where You said that You would never leave us or forsake us. You said that You were our healer. You said You were our deliverer. You said You were the light and the darkness. You said You were our strength and our strong tower. I remember those things, God. And I, I thank you for that, God. I'm turning my attention to you. I'm focusing on you and your holiness and your mercy that endures forever, your faithfulness, your goodness that goes through all generations. God, I worship you. Hallelujah. I praise you, Jesus. You're worthy. Hallelujah, God. Nothing changes who you are. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. I praise you. God, I worship you. Hallelujah. Let's praise him together. Amen. You want to come pray with someone? The altar's open. Let's praise him together. Hallelujah. I praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah, God. You're worthy. There is no one like